Welcome to the Hot Sala Cast, the podcast that takes you on an in-depth and behind-the-scenes journey with local Hot Sala and EMS volunteers to hear their stories and get a better perspective on the lives of these local heroes. Now here's your host, Zisha Littman. Hey everybody, welcome back to another wonderful episode of the Hot Sala Cast. We're up to episode 9 in our series, um, and this week we're going outside of Israel to sit down with Hot Sala of Chicago, the world-famous Tzvi Montrose. Um, who is the director of Hot Solo Chicago. And if you see over there in the background, for those who are watching on the video, you can see their ambulances, Ancient Butte. Um, and it's really exciting because we get to talk with people all around the world, Hot Solo organizations all around the world, to get their story, get to know a little bit more about them and see what makes them unique and how they go out there and save lives on a daily basis. So I'm really looking forward to sitting down and talking with you. So welcome aboard to That's All Cast. How are you? Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, doing great. Thank you. Cool. So what's your deal? What's the story behind Hatzalo Chicago? Um, I actually lived in Israel for uh, about uh, there for three years, based Medrash, and then uh, three years um, uh, as a, in Kolo as well. And uh, I had two sons that were born there at Shari Tzedek. Cool. And uh, wished that I could have stayed longer. And uh, we ended up coming back. It was kind of... Uh, Tough adjustment. We really did want to stay there, and we did want to live there. Um, and it wasn't it wasn't even a, a year after we got back um, that my son had a seizure, Boy. and it kind of uh, made me feel a little bit unprepared, a little helpless. And I was starting to wonder, having just been in Israel and coming back to America, you know, why did Hatzalah not exist in Chicago, and why didn't we have one? And uh, it took a lot of uh, time and a lot of uh, research and, you know, to figure out would it necessarily benefit Chicago? Is Chicago needed? And there was a lot of opinions, like <laughs> a lot of opinions <laughs> on, on whether or not it would be of any benefit to Chicago. Um, and one of the uh, people that I asked, a good friend of the family and, uh, you know, said to him, you know, why don't you, know, we need that solid here. And he said, if you think it's so important, then why don't you go ahead and do it? Go become an EMT and tell me then what an EMT does and why we need it. Um, I don't know if he thought I would actually do that, uh, <laughs> but then I did. So um, that was, uh, it was uh, February 2009 was when my son had a seizure. Um, I was enrolled in a fall semester class that year, uh, 2009. Um, and during the class, uh, I incorporated at all Chicago um, uh, and with my wife and my sister-in-law, actually. So that kind of makes us two-thirds female incorporated. How's that? Um, and That's uh, things kind of took off from there. Once we were in the class, uh, did a lot of training, and I started to think that there are a lot of reasons why uh, pretty much every Jewish community could benefit from a Hatzalah uh, provided that there's somebody to take charge and, and make sure that it's run properly. Um, and those three things are the kids. We have kids in school, private day schools that tend to not really have access to on-site emergency medical care. Uh, it, from my son having the seizure, I had also a family member who had a kid with diabetes, um, all the anaphylactic reactions that exist in schools. No municipality can possibly be tasked with staffing schools it doesn't it doesn't make sense our private schools are not going to get covered unless we cover them ourselves and that was one of the goals was cross-trained teachers because it doesn't have to increase the cost of the budget 
Uh, second goal was shoals. You know, we don't need fast cars or anything. We're already frequently congregating in shoals. So we got equipment and shoals, and that was another goal. And uh, the last goal is obviously is the sensitivity to cultural aspects of Orthodox communities and that you have people that are not going to turn to a traditional EMS system, but if they know a volunteer, they would approach them and it kind of reduces an additional barrier and then seeking care. And those are the three uh, universal truths, as I call them, that provided us all can be run right. Those three universal truths can benefit any uh, Orthodox Jewish community or any tight knit geographical uh, community of any kind, to be honest. Wow. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. The, the, those are some really good reasons for starting the organization. And it yep. seems like you guys have been going since 2009. So what's your, what's, how many volunteers do you guys have? Yeah. So actually it took from 2009 to 2011 until we actually started an operation. We, it took us time to raise the money, train the classes, uh, purchase the equipment, um, apply for the licensure uh, to actually be a non-transport hmm. um, EMS organization. So we started out with uh, with no transportation, no ambulances. It was just uh, responders in their privately owned vehicles with a full set of equipment. And we also had sets in shoals and sets in some schools. And then in, at the end of 2011 is when we finally launched that non-transport. And we didn't get until 2013 when we got two ambulances, uh, two of which are behind us, where um, we started DLS transport. Uh, but now, membership-wise, we're probably roughly 85 volunteers in the organization, but the medical responders is about 44, uh, 13 of whom are paramedics. And then we also have uh, dispatchers, and we also have uh, event volunteers and other volunteers, uh, board members, rabbinic board members. So we kind of have a lot of people to thank, and obviously, the most important part of that is really that it's not just 85 volunteers, it's 85 families that are really giving it everything to allow us to operate the way that we do. So wow. very grateful to all of them for that. So you said you guys do BLS. Do you also, you all, your ambulance are also ALS as well, or you deal with that as well? Or? Yep. Wow. Yeah. So in, uh, it takes a lot of time because in Chicago, you don't typically have, um, we didn't have any real, significant uh, quantity of paramedics in the community prior to Atsala. There wasn't really such a concept. It's not a traditional job here because our EMS is not hospital-based. So it's not really something you can do for, um, you know, it's not it's not really a long-term sort of goal for people. And the amount of time that it takes to become a paramedic is very challenging. So to be an EMT, uh, it's about four months in the community college. Now it's currently an eight-credit-hour course. But to take the next step, uh, you're looking at an additional 24 to 30 credits and probably 1,600 to 2,000 hours of training. And that's not a very easy commitment to make. So we did finally get that from 2011 when we launched. 2013, we got two BLS ambulances. To 2018 was when finally we had enough paramedics to actually get permission to transport advanced life support. So we do have advanced life support and we do have a third ambulance now. And we actually have uh, ordered some more ambulances to add to the fleet down the line. So looking forward to seeing those as well. Wow, that's amazing. So in total, you're looking at about five ambulances, it seems like. Or you said like three now. We may be swapping some out. We have to figure out how we're going to do it uh, with the ones that we currently have. They're 2013, the two that we initially bought in 2013. And we do have one 2011. Uh, but it could be that we will shift them around. We're looking at uh, other 
opportunities uh, where we may place them, but we are going to be getting three brand new ones and we will figure out what we're going to do with the current ones that we have. Wow. That's really amazing yep. that you guys have really yeah. grown this. It, 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 it seems, and it seems like it's been a very like arduous journey to get to where you are, you know, from <laughs> from the beginning all the way up until now. And it, it, it's really cool how you, how you've grown it. And I agree with what you're saying that every town, every like every city needs a needs a hot solo. Every like small town need, and every place needs a hot solo. I mean, I'm originally from Detroit, and I just found out Detroit got a hot solo organization. And I grew up. I was I was there for for most of my life until I until I left around 2008. And we never had any hot solo. We just had regular EMS. And now I find out that they have hot solo, and it's very cool because it shows that the communities are growing and that they the need for something like that is there. Yeah, um, it's kind of funny. Uh, we definitely have helped a lot of other Hatsals get started, and Detroit was one of them. Uh, we worked with a whole bunch of people uh, in Detroit. Um, I'm not going to remember getting all the names right, but uh, long story short, was actually flew out there twice myself, once to speak at their uh, EMC celebration, and uh, when they finally concluded their initial course, uh, and, or the EMR, and then... Um, they actually flew once into us and we hosted them at the Chicago fire department, uh, to kind of help their fire officials speak with our fire officials and try to pave the way to, uh, understanding for their side, their municipalities, what the hot solo program could kind of benefit them. And, um, I know Dr. McGraw is fabulous. He's their medical director. I actually saw him at the conference in Israel. Um, he's, just a tremendous caring physician. And uh, when you find a physician like that, you want to keep him for as long as you can. Um, and I know his heart's in it, so they will. And um, Nahi and Bensi and Bensi and uh, just everybody out there, they really do want to see it, uh, want to see it become the best that it can be. And it has to be an organic growth and it has to be tailored to the city. So what we did here, it's good for people to know what we did here, right. um, but you still need to see how it fits for the individual city itself and what path they want to take to get there. There's no perfect solution or answer. Um, humility always helps though. That's for sure. sure. Well, each, like, <laughs> but Detroit was a lot of fun to work with. For sure. I mean, Detroit, Detroiters are just very nice and laid back individuals. I, I happen to think so myself, but um, the Midwest thing, it's it a Midwest <laughs> thing. We have like this, this, this thing to us, you know, we're, we're very, very relaxed. You know, when I was in Yeshiva, they called me the out of town redneck. So, yeah. yeah, what can I say? Um, but no, it's very interesting. It's very cool. But like you said, you, you said something very, very. I found very, very profound. Like the 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 way you bridge the bridge the community, like with the with the firefighters and with the the regular everybody else. It seems like you do a very good job in the outreach department of like making sure everybody's on the same page and everybody's on the ball with each other. And I. I don't know how that is in other cities, but it seems like from the way you described it, how you brought in the Detroit guys to come out to Chicago to meet with the firefighters and everything like that. It seems like a very interesting thing, but it probably helps to get people them familiar with our our backgrounds and our stuff and like the different like hops that go on in, in the Jewish community. And so that they're not they're not thrown off guard with certain things. Yeah, definitely. Um I think, you know, for new hustles that are starting up in Detroit, wasn't the only one that I've worked with, been lucky to work with a couple. One of the most important things for the people that are looking to uh, launch it 
is really to have an understanding that if you're walking into the office of a 2030 career EMS veteran or hospital administration, uh, one, be humble. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're the new person, not them. Just because it exists in other cities, not everything translates perfectly. There's unique scenarios everywhere from ambulance contracts, different municipality boundaries, um, a proof of need application. There's so many facets to understand what's going on. Don't, you can't automatically assume, hey, this is what we're doing, whether you like it or not. That's a terrible way to start. The best, the best approach you can have is going to be completely patient-centric. And when you can kind of make the case and show them, you know, here's what we can do. Here's something that we can offer as a public-private partnership. And this is where it's going to make a difference. Show them the private day schools that don't have access to uh, on-site nursing care because it's not affordable for them. And if you kind of show them how, hey, we have X number of kids with diabetes and X number of kids with anaphylactic uh, allergies, and say, we're going to cross-train two teachers that are going to be there 90% of the day, 95% of the day. How is it, or 100% of the day, if they're full-time teachers or one in the morning, one in the afternoon, how do you not expect to have a better medical outcome when the kid needs an EpiPen and you have somebody confident in their training, not that just took a course once every two years in American Heart Association, which is good. It's definitely a good start. But how do you expect someone to be confident unless they're actually part of a fellow organization and they have the support and the education to stay up to date on their skills. Don't you think that that kid would get a better medical outcome if there was already somebody in the building? Kind of hard to say that they won't. And that's where you gotta, you gotta start. And that's something that doesn't include licensed sirens necessarily. Right. That's something that doesn't include ambulances necessarily. Um, and I'm not saying you should or shouldn't have long-term goals, but start humble, make the difference where you can and build up the relationship so that there's an understanding of why you're in this and what your reasoning is and let them get to know you a little bit. And through that trust that's built over that time frame, you can see if there's a good fit to advance to the next level of care or to bring in transportation or whatever it may be down the line. That, that's very profound. And it's very true. Like you want it, you want to nurture those relationships with the, with the other communities in order to be able to grow. And it, it's like a business. You want to be able to nurture it so you can grow and scale. And if you, but if you, if you go in there with, with the wrong attitude, it could, the whole thing could totally collapse and it won't work out for anybody. And exactly. And at the end of the day, we're trying to save lives. We're trying to help people. The whole goal is to go on there and help people. And I've talked with a number of different EMTs and they all say the same thing. If you're here for the lights and the sirens and you're here for the, for the hawk, it's not for you. It, Pretty much. Yeah. It, it's 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 true. I mean, like this is this is why people sign up for this because they they, they want to go out there. They want to they want to grow. They want to help people. They that's their goal. They do it a hundred percent, lishma, and it's very it's very cool. Now, you have any cool stories that you guys have done in Chicago? That you can um, <laughs> Chicago. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, there's just been so many different cases um, that it's kind of hard to pick anything very specific um, that's not too telling. Um, you know, we you definitely have the opportunity to to save lives and um, you know join other families, so to speak, as being somebody that they care about and respect as part of their family because of what you've done for them. Uh, the ability to be there for somebody on their you know, worst day and make it just a little bit better. Uh, I mean, 
every call is kind of like that, even if it's not a fantastic save or uh defibrillation or right. um it doesn't have to be crazy and profound. And a lot of the times we save people's lives, uh, people in the community don't even necessarily know about it because a simple airway obstruction could have resulted in death and is averted by our responders uh, and our dispatchers getting care to the patient. And no one's going to know the difference. The patient might not even end up going to the hospital. Um, we've had that with uh, infants that have had um, tape that's gotten lodged in their airway and that's kind of going to make it feel and that's very dangerous. You can't really get it out easily because you can get air out, but then the flap can close again. Um, just even the small things, you know, if, if you're there for the patient and their family, every call is a great opportunity to, to help somebody. Wow. That's really cool. Well, clock of road. Yeah. Uh, what, so what in Chicago, like I was talking to when we, when we did the interview with Hatzel in Baltimore, that was a lot of fun. He was telling us how like there, the, like you mentioned before, each belt, each Hatzel, each EMS organization, each city has their own different like rules and regulations and protocols. And what, what's so, he, what's so unique about Hatzel Chicago? What, what is one unique thing about Hatzel Chicago that sets you apart from other organizations? That's a great question. Uh, speaking of Baltimore, I definitely have to uh, give them some credit. They were kind of one of the guides for me when I was looking to start. I turned to them, having been one of the most recent, recently started at that point in time. Uh, I did turn to them and they shared a lot of uh, assistance with us. And they kind of made me be the type to want to pay it forward as well. So uh, definitely a lot of thanks to the people that were involved in that. Um, the cool things about the cool things about Chicago, um, I don't know. Uh, I would just say that we have we have like a great diversity uh, along the Orthodox spectrum um, of membership uh, in our dispatchers and our responders. And um, you know, some of the resistance that I had initially to wanting to start Hathala here was how much do things really happen here, anyways? And <laughs> there's a few different neighborhoods, um, none too far apart. And everyone would kind of just uh, say, you know, well, we don't, we don't necessarily need it or, or our municipality is good or better than Chicago. So, uh, you know, we don't need it here. But once we started the class and all of these different guys were coming together every week, they found that from one week to the next week, everybody would have a story one week and then the next week and then the next week, you know, what happened at my show this week, you know, what happened at my kid's school this week. And it really created one of the um, unexpected results was the camaraderie that you had people from, you know, keep us to Becca show that really started to enjoy being in the class, you know, together. And they said, this guy's a Gishma guy. I probably never would have crossed paths with him otherwise. And now they're, you know, uh, they're getting along and, running calls together. I think that's kind of something that's a little bit unique to our neighborhood where we do have a, a diversity across the Orthodox spectrum. Um, and that's all in general are just one of those organizations where you're proactively preemptively putting in time and effort and training, not knowing who you're going to be helping with it. And I think that's the beauty of all that's all is that you're able to see that commitment for you know your fellow person that you want to help them that much that you will do all that 
additional training and that education to, to be there for people. So um, we are in three different, uh, technically three different municipalities bordering on a fourth. And um, I don't know what else is cool. <laughs> Just having had people that kind of came out of the woodwork to help us get started that, you know, you know, financial donations that no one would have seen coming just because it was something that they always wanted. Uh, you know, Hashem definitely sent the help along the way um, because people were willing to take the first steps. You know, you don't have to have the whole plan laid out um, and looking at how our growth kind of went, it would be too much to ask. You know, we went from 350 calls to now we're at 1,350 calls or 335 calls in 2020. Um, so it's just been a steady growth that wasn't even predictable. And yet here we are. And it's just, it's, it's amazing how everybody's come together to make it work. Every single family. That's so cool. That really is. Yeah. And it, 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 it really shows a lot about the organization and talking to you as the director, I can tell that the rest of the guys and, and the people in the units see probably a real stand up mental kind of people. And, <laughs> I guess, again, it's a Midwestern thing, you know, we're just like very yeah. <laughs> mild mannered and like relaxed people. I, I, hey, listen, there's, I like being from the Midwest. Technically, technically, Michigan is not considered the Midwest, you know, but because of Henry Ford, we're supposed to be on central time, but you know, that, that didn't work out so well, or, but whatever, but it's, it's cool, man. It's really, really cool. And I, I think that you guys are doing a great job up there in Chicago. And you said you're, you have, you're, you deal with four different municipalities. Like how many families is that? Um, so the main neighborhoods that we're kind of operating in are Skokie and Lincolnwood. Those are two different municipalities. Right. And then in Chicago, we have two neighborhoods, West Rogers Park and Peterson Park. Okay. Um, West Rogers Park abuts up against another municipality, Evanston. We have some responses there, not as many. Um, but it's pretty much um, pretty much all kind of connected other than Skokie. Skokie's a little bit distance out, but not too much. Mm -hmm. So it's still from here where we're sitting in the garage. Uh, we can get to Skokie by ambulance in five minutes. It's not a big deal at all, but we have responders already there with their equipment and able to respond there. So really, as far as neighborhoods go, we're definitely geography-based. We're definitely pretty blessed in terms of our neighborhoods that we need to cover. Um, there are a few more smaller neighborhoods that are further out. Some we're able to cover, some we're not able to cover. Um, and it also depends on, obviously, the volunteers that are available from those neighborhoods. So, right. uh I don't know. It's, it's, it's funny. Like when we had Detroit, for example, one of the things when they came in to meet with us is there was a little bit of a concern. Mm -hmm. um, you know, how do we know that if we allow, that's all Detroit to start, for example, that it's not going to grow. That was what someone in the municipality wanted to know. And, and the nature of hotels tend to be self-limiting, right? Yes. Uh, when we started earlier on in Chicago, while we were building that relationship, you know, there was someone that started a rumor that we were looking to take over the city, you know, make a bid for the services. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no. You know anything about Chicago? No. Yeah, no, you're not going <laughs> to you're not going to take on the city's contract, even if you could. Um, but regardless, you don't want uh, <laughs> our donors wouldn't support it. You know, and that's and that's where I tried, you know, making the point to Detroit uh, team that came in, and they're all like, you know, great, you know, fire chief, deputy chief, EMF, EMF, uh, 
the division chief. Like, it was like great people that came in, they cared. They, they gave their time because they cared and they were able to understand that if we can't support why we need uh, the next ambulance, then, then we're not going to get the donor to support us to do it. You can't just, you can't just go and build and ask people to go station, you know, 10 miles away from the neighborhood and provide coverage. It's not going to happen. It's, yeah. it's limited by the geography that you're covering and your donors will support that level of service. You can't grow it out to cover everything. So it's, uh, it's important to start slow and, and build up and gain the trust during that time. Well, it's like here in Bechemish, I mean, we keep growing by leaps and bounds. Like they keep adding, I'm telling you, we're going to go through the Aleph base here in Bechemish. We're, you know, we're, we're <laughs> I make the every single day. They're up to like Ramat Bechemish Hayes. I'm telling you, we're going to go through the whole. Well, when you, when you get to Chet, maybe you'll get Beit Cholin and uh, maybe you guys get an actual hospital. Chalavai, Chalavai, stop, 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 <laughs> please. It, it, you know, so much land, no hospital. But, you know, like, <laughs> please God. But, you know, that's the thing. Like, Here's the like, out here, we're, we're growing by leaps and bounds. We're up to like, we're up to like, they're about to finish hay. And then that we keep, and they keep, and they keep growing. And so we're, you know, where, where Hatzal Bechemish is located, where their, where their, where their offices and where their ambulances are located, it's, 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 it's really geographically great because they can hit all the major points in, throughout the different areas in a matter of minutes. And I guess that's I guess, right. I guess that's what you have to consider when you're when you're when you're starting an organization like where your, where your base is and where you're geographically located. I find it interesting with Detroit though because literally the, the two neighborhoods, the two main community neighborhoods, are literally like right next to each other. Like you can literally cross, yep. you can cross the street and and you're over in in the next part of town. And so I I, I don't again I haven't been there in ages, um, but I so I don't know how how they're doing it. But call like a vote, good for them. Yeah. They don't have yeah, from what I heard, I know with COVID, they did a great job also uh, getting education out to the community. And like I said, with the medical director, like they have also not much of a surprise that they're going to be doing good things. Um, HMS is doing great things too, though, from what I understand. Besides, I have some families that live there. Um, then I have non-related families that live there also. Uh, David Cohn, Matanitsky, and Moshe Braun. You know, you guys have some good, some good crew over there too. And I know that uh, they're going to rise to the challenges that come their way as well. And Keep uh, Beijing going strong. Sure. What have you guys been doing in terms of the in terms of COVID? What what have what's Hatzal Beijing been doing in terms or Hatzal Chicago? My bad. What have you guys been doing in terms of COVID? Yeah. Uh, so early on, we invested heavily in PPE and we we pushed out masks before they were um, even required in uh, certain municipalities. Um, it was prior to I think takeoff of last year where. There's large grocery stores, and they the whole store is not kosher, but there's a section of it that is uh, one of the major stores here. And since the municipality that they were in didn't require masks, um, they weren't obligating people to wear them. And uh, we got some volunteers to set up a booth, and during the busy shopping hours, we were able to give out thousands of masks, both to, obviously, Jewish shoppers and non-Jewish shoppers alike. It made no difference to us. And in that way, even if you... Uh, stop the 10% uh, transmission rate and uh, even only one out of a hundred of them would have died by, you know, my calculation probably saved a couple lives easily. So it was, it, it's just looking for the opportunity um, during COVID isn't really very difficult. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, some people want to wake up and, and look at how, how difficult things are and how hard things are. But if you're in the business of doing chesed, if you, 
just wake up, it's kind of hard to miss the opportunities. They're everywhere. There's so many people that are in need, whether it's medical assistance, guidance, counseling of that sort, or just just someone saying good morning to them and meaning it could really, you know, help people the isolation that they were going through in the phone call uh, to kind of decrease loneliness. A lot of things. There are scattered opportunities everywhere. So I kind of saw a lot of that uh, in the beginning and a lot of our guys did too. And we all stepped up and tried to help in different ways. As it progressed, um, we, again, started helping people who needed access to oxygen concentrators, pulse oximeters, thermometers, uh, hand sanitizer. Uh, we had some good other community organizations that we partnered with to try to make those things happen. Um, and I would have they've been, you know, uh, as successful as I could have hoped for and that we were able to do a lot of good. Um, currently, we're in the middle of a vaccination clinic with two other community partners also, um, and just getting out thousands of COVID vaccinations um, in the past couple of weeks, in the next few weeks, trying to make sure that we can get the CDC recommended uh, phases done as best as we can and try to push that out. It's, it's not as organized uh, as a system, perhaps as Israel, you know, as a nation yeah. goes, but within Chicago, we're doing the best that we can. So, we kind of just kept going from one opportunity of that to the next, to the next, to the next, and just Clock trying to see where we can make the difference during COVID. Clock of vote. Yeah, that, that's really amazing. And have you guys changed any of your protocols in terms of transporting patients and things like that for the, for this whole situation? So, yeah, there were some, uh, there were some small changes as a regards to um, aerosolized procedures and what you want to do in the ambulance, whatnot. We were able to get authorization for metered dose inhalers for people that had severe uh, asthma that we wanted to give albuterol to. We were able to stock those in our ambulances for severe cases where we didn't have to expose the crew. Obviously, uh, additional PPE requirements that we placed on the crew. We had some changes in dispatch where we're screening for it during the dispatch process to try to ensure that we're not sending guys in without a uh, heads up on that to a potential COVID patient. Um, kind of probably what's been uh, standard across Hatsala, I would say, and most of the EMS is what we've been doing. Um, we did reach out to make sure that other community uh, agencies, fire departments, municipal fire departments were kind of all on the same page and helped them with what they needed. They helped us with what, what they needed. Um, we even signed a memorandum of understanding with uh, one of the municipalities as it relates to providing coverage for them. Uh, even though there's a very large mutual aid network here mm-hmm. during COVID, it, it kind of became clear that it might, even though that's, ex- that's a great thing to have when one municipality is having a bad day, 20 municipalities can help you. But when everybody was having a bad day, they said it might just be everybody for themselves. And um, due to our relationship with them, they turned to us and said, well, what about you guys? Will you help us if we need? And we signed a memorandum of understanding with, a municipality to support them with mutual aid during COVID if they needed it. So I think uh, even though it hasn't been utilized, um, it was a tremendous Kiddush Hashem in showing the willingness that our community has that we would answer any call for service that they had if they needed us to do so. That's really amazing. That, that's really, really amazing. Yep. So <laughs> as, as I like to end off every episode, I, I, I always ask our guest, when, what advice would you give to somebody who's looking to join us all? <laughs> um, it's difficult because 
the nature of the volunteers in Hassel is not really like many organizations. I, I joke with people sometimes that the only thing you get to volunteer to do in Hassel is apply. After that, you kind of, you kind of have to do it. Um, the education requirements, the licensing requirements, everything that has to be kept up with is very, very challenging. I would say though that if you're committed to it and you know that you want to do it, go and take an EMT course. Even if it's not with the Hatzala initially, if you have to go get it somewhere else, I went to a community college to do so. Um, just find out for yourself and give yourself that much uh, to really give it a fair chance and show your commitment in that way and try to show where, um, you know, you're going to make it a priority because it's not something that you kind of get to do casually. It's not going to be a good fit. Um, we have, you know, great team members here, uh, coordinators and supervisors, and, you know, they're going to be the ones who are ensuring the best for the community. And if somebody's kind of half committed, even if you kind of get through the screening process, it, it's going to be difficult and going to take extra time all around from, you know, you and everyone else. So, I think if you're committed to it, give yourself a fair chance. Go and do it. Take an EMT course. If nothing else, it's uh, good for your own family and your own your own circumstances to have that knowledge, even if you don't maintain that license later on. And one of the things that uh, we actually have here in Chicago, now this is the third year, we have an EMT course at a high school in Chicago that seniors in the high school can take it during their senior year. And this will be our third year. We'll have eight graduates, hopefully this year. Some of them actually do end up in Israel and they do end up, uh, trying to volunteer there. I know one of them is working out with Muggins Dome, uh, depending based on the area where uh, the person is. And it, it, there's no reason that anyone can't take this course. Um, even people who are hesitant about blood and this and that. Mm. Uh, not every call is that much blood. Um, try. And if it doesn't work out, it's okay. You'll still be educated all the more for it. And if you're turned to in an emergency, you might be just that much more prepared and you won't regret it. So I think everybody should do it. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, Tzvi, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and talk with us. Our listeners really appreciate it. Our listeners really love the show. Um, and it's fun to learn more about other Hatzalah organizations outside um, of Israel and around the world. And you're just one of many. And there's, there's many, many, many more organizations out there. And everyone's special and everyone's unique. And I really appreciate you sitting down with me today. I, I like the Midwestern connection. You know, we're just like, again, it's nice and relaxed. It's chilled. You know, someone once told my wife she has a Midwestern twang. She's also from Detroit. And someone once told her she has a Midwestern twang. And she's like, what does that mean? <laughs> I don't even know, man. But nonetheless, it was really great having you on the show. Um, keep up the good work. Seriously, collect a vote to everything you guys are doing. It seems like you really built it um, a solid, a solid organization. And you keep growing, you keep scaling it. And, you know, as the community grows, so do you guys. And I think that's really the model there is the communities grow. So, do, so does that solid. And, you know, the yeah. fact that you're doing this, you're working together with the, the communities and the, the municipalities to really show that after it's, it's a huge Kiddush Hashem. It's an amazing thing you're doing and just keep it up. Thank you so much. I uh, appreciate the kind word. And definitely looking to to do that and to and keep building us to be as resilient and capable of an organization that uh, that we can be. So definitely looking forward to it. And uh, for all those people that are out there considering it, you know, feel free uh, 
to, to research it, to reach out, send an email. If you have any questions, uh, happy to respond. So for sure. And, and I can, and what's your contact information? What's the organization? I can put it in the show notes. If anybody's interested in learning more about what you guys do, if anybody's interested in um, helping you out, where, where's the best place to put, point them to? That's all Chicago.org. Okay. That's definitely a good place to start out. Yep. Fair enough. And, uh, they can, you know, see what we do there. Um, my email is my first initial and last name. Go for it. I'm not shy. T mantras at hatsalashicago.org. So. All right. Cool, man. Very, there very you cool. have it. Thanks so much for joining us. And please, God, we look forward to hearing only good things coming out of Chicago in the future. I mean, thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Appreciate it. You've just listened to another great episode of the Hot Solid Cast. If you like what you hear, subscribe to our show on all major podcasting platforms. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and stay tuned every week as we reveal a new episode of the Hot Solo Cast. And remember, if you need help, call your local EMS or Hot Solo organization. Stay safe and stay tuned. <laughs>